Audiologist, a Phonak podcast. Welcome to The Audiologist, a podcast series created by Phonak to offer audiologists and people interested in audiology new perspectives on hearing health topics. This series of podcasts is all about adults with severe to profound hearing loss. At the microphone is audiologist Bernadette Fulton. I'm audiology manager for severe to profound hearing loss at Phonak International Headquarters in Switzerland. With me today is audiologist Judith Bird. Judith is the head of audiology and Emmeline Centre for Hearing Implants at Cambridge University Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust in the UK. She's also a contributing author to the guidelines. Welcome, Judith. Thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Many hearing care professionals working with hearing aids consider cochlear implants as a treatment of last resort and really only think about them when the hearing aids have failed. Judith, is that how you see it as well? Definitely not. And I think our job as audiologists is finding the best treatment option for our patients and helping them get the best outcome. So for adults with deteriorating hearing, there will come a point when cochlear implants have the potential to offer more benefit. But we definitely don't need to wait until hearing aids have failed for them to be considered as a possible treatment option. Now, we know there are lots of barriers for people considering implantation and people have genuine concerns about loss of residual hearing and concerns about surgery. And it can take people quite a significant time to get to a point of being willing to explore cochlear implants. So we really need to include implants in our thinking and in our conversations with patients before we reach a point where there's insufficient benefit from hearing aids. This gives people a chance to do their own investigation, talk to people who've been through similar circumstances. And we need to make sure we're ready to refer patients at a point when we think they may deliver more benefit from hearing aids. So I guess in our service, we make sure we always talk about it when their hearing is within criteria. And we think that's so important. We've now made that uh, part of our ongoing quality audits that we check that that's happening. And the other thing that's important, there are some people who may be medically unsuitable for cochlear implants, even though audiologically we think it's a good idea. So it's really important that we don't give a message that there's nothing more to be done. If we're really thinking holistically, there is always some way of increasing support and helping them get the best out of their hearing. So it's interesting that you mentioned um, in the NHS you have very specific criteria, um, don't you? Could you tell us what those are? Yeah, so in the UK, it's audiologically worse than 80, but at a speech level of less than 50%. So with aided speech testing scores. And is that 50% on BKBs or single words? Single words, so AB words. So if the audiogram is approaching the average of 80 dBHL... Yeah, you would start the conversation. You don't wait until it's gone all the way to fifty percent of speech understanding. I guess, no. yeah, very, very much not. And if that somebody, if their hearing is changing quite rapidly, we might well start that conversation earlier. You're leading two teams um, of audiologists who care for adults with severe and profound hearing loss, and they're all under one roof, ish. One team are experts in clinical management using hearing aids and the other are using cochlear implants. 
in my experience, this is a pretty rare occurrence to have both the hearing aids and cochlear implants managed under one roof. Is what you do really pioneering? Are you inventing a, a new patient journey? Good question. So for the Cambridge Audiology team, it definitely helps working on the same site as the implant team. But even so, it doesn't always flow as seamlessly as we'd ideally want it to. And not every department is going to have that luxury. So I guess the key principles uh, would be that wherever your audiology service is based, you should have good links and good relationships with your implant team. Get to know them, go and visit, get your questions answered. And have you been able to establish that communication where you are between the two teams? So I think often, yeah, it ends up being quite practical that if there's a particular tricky patient, uh, we'd often have a conversation about it. Quite often the implant team come up and try and borrow hearing aids if they haven't got what they need. Um, But yeah, we pick each other's brains wherever we can. But I think, you know, there's been a lot of moves in the UK. We have a cochlear implant champion scheme and trying to bring this together. And each cochlear implant centre will have a mentor And the idea is that each audiology centre has a a CI champion. And so even if people aren't in the same place, we're trying to build those links and bring things closer together. So could you tell us about an example of a particular patient where they've really experienced this continuum of care from hearing aid to cochlear implant Mm. and, and being able to successfully make that transition? Yeah, so I guess before we do that, I'd like to talk about what a continuum of care means because I think really what we're talking about is a smooth journey. And I think it is tricky for people um, who've been maybe managed in audiology for a long time. And then we're asking them to go to a completely different team, often a completely different place. And it can feel like a really big step for people. So it's really important that we take all the care and all the steps that we can to smooth out any bumps in that process. So I think it does mean that we have to, right from the word go, be ready to explain exactly what that journey is looking like. Um, Who are the people they're going to meet in the implant team? Where do they have to go? Where will they have to park? So anything we can do to make it easier and be ready to have the answers to those questions. I think it's also important that we normalise the route to CI for those with deteriorating uh, hearing loss. So right from when they start seeing us in our severe profound clinic in audiology, we will start that conversation that, you know, this is where we're going to try and make sure your hearing aids as good as they possibly can be. And at the back of our minds, we're always thinking about implants and if they're going to potentially bring more benefit. So we start that conversation right at the beginning. So we have definitely had patients where we've had long discussions for many years in audiology before they end up going to the implant team. We've tried lots of initiatives, trying to do some joint clinics. And if I'm really honest, it's been a struggle to get that working efficiently. And I would say what has made the most difference to smoothing out the bumps is us as referring audiologists, having better knowledge to try and smooth that process. 
So uh, if I think of a few examples, we had one lady um, who really was struggling with her hearing aids over many, many years. And we uh, we tried everything to try and get her uh, to go to the implant team. And she refused. She refused and refused. We tried to get her to talk to uh, one of the surgeons. Uh, we tried to get her to talk to some of the audiologists. But this really showed to me what a complex journey is for people because actually for her, the key turning point was a change in her circumstances. And actually, sadly, it was when her husband died and she realised quite how much her hearing was not delivering what she needed. That was the point when then she was ready to make that step. So I think we just need to do everything we can to smooth the process and be ready to work with that individual at whatever point they're at and get them in quickly when they're ready to go. That story is a really great one because obviously her husband was really helping her a lot and in the kind of close relationship where she really probably wasn't even aware of the amount that he was doing to help her in her communication and then until he was gone. Absolutely. Yeah. And sadly, they might have had better communication between the two of them uh, if she'd proceeded with the implant earlier. The results have been really good now. I mean, early in my career, when cochlear implants were really just first being used routinely, the outcomes didn't seem to be as good as they are today. Now the results seem to be really outstanding. They really are. And I think, I think you know, people go from not being able to use the phone uh, to often being able to use the phone, particularly with familiar voices. And people's, you know, ability to hear conversation can be really transformed. Um, and, you know, it can really open up people's lives again. Often they've restricted the things that they're doing. And, you know, trying an implant can be a start of a whole new phase of life. Mm, something I think hearing aid audiologists are not necessarily aware of how the advances have gone. If a hearing aid audiologist refers a patient to the cochlear implant centre and the patient receives a cochlear implant, is the patient's relationship with the hearing aid audiologist over then? Is there a role for the hearing aid audiologist, something they can expect after implantation? That's a really interesting question. And I think that may continue to change over time. Um, in the past, when people continue to wear a hearing aid on the contralateral ear, audiology centres may well have stayed involved in the management and maintenance. Certainly, uh, people get much better outcomes when they use a cochlear implant and hearing aid together, better quality and clarity. And so it's definitely worth pursuing. But these days, when patients have an implant, it's much more of a system that's provided, uh, that the implant and the hearing aid work together. And more often, it's the implant team that set up and program the hearing aid. So it's much more likely that the care of the hearing aid is likely to remain with the implant team. And also... 
your goals from what you want from that hearing aid might be slightly different. So pre-implant, your goal is usually speech clarity, uh, getting the most that you can out of it. Once somebody's got an implant, you really assume that most of the clarity is going to come from the implant. And often what the hearing aid can provide is balance and quality and particularly things like music quality. So the way you set your parameters on your hearing aid may not be quite the same. But a lot of patients will still be traveling big distances to their implant center. Uh, And so it can be really useful, even if just the routine maintenance of the hearing aid can be done locally. So even if it's just ear molds, it's really important that they stay plugged in locally. And long term, If there were facilities for teams to work together, so locally surveillance visits for the hearing aid implant with a local audiologist working together with the implant team, I think that would be really interesting. Not something we've done in the UK yet, but would be very interesting to explore into the future. Well, the other issue that, of course, the hearing aid audiologist is going to face is that they may refer on to a cochlear implant centre And then the patient may be found to be unsuitable for the surgery. And what happens? Really, really good question. Really good question. And I think, first of all, to reiterate, that's why you don't talk about hearing aids as the last resort, because that person, you want them to come back and be managed successfully and optimally right into the long term, even if they're not suitable. So a a few thoughts. Uh, I think it's really important that you get good feedback from your implant team about what has happened, and that will help you manage things going forward. And sometimes they will make suggestions about um, things that they've observed, about possibly about the hearing aid settings or other recommendations that that might help. So it's good to audit the number and quality of your referrals so that you can start to improve your own service. And I have to say, our implant team is very good at giving a clear message back to patients um, as well as audiologists about the importance that they can be referred again. So it might well be that maybe their speech scores are a bit too good for an implant uh, with the current criteria. So they're not suitable at that point. but you really can, patients can be referred as many times as necessary uh, or as, as many times as suitable. Um, so very important that that message goes out to patients and referring audiologists that, that if there's a no, it's a no for that point in time. Things can change and they can be referred again. And I think the rate that people are out of criteria are quite high. We've recently audited this and in 2019-20, uh, 31% of our patients were, were out of criteria. Um, so there's this kind of quite a lot that will be coming back. So when they come back to audiology, we will continue to manage them in the same way as before, being as holistic and creative as we can in trying to find solutions for their hearing. But... Certainly, if they're outside with audiological criteria, so aided speech testing and hearing thresholds, then it's important that we monitor those going forward so that we can know the right time to refer again. One other point, though, one big concern, I think, um, is those who we've referred who decide not to go ahead, who change their minds and either cancel or don't attend their appointment at the implant team. So we did a recent audit 
And they definitely found a trend that people referred for an implant assessment who decided not to go ahead for whatever reason were the ones that were most likely to be lost to follow-up in audiology. So really important that when we refer them, we we keep that message that if it doesn't go ahead, you come back to us and we'll continue to manage their care. And we've completely changed all our information that we give patients when we refer them to try and make that message clear. Yeah, I can imagine um, a patient thinking, well, you know, I'm at the end, so... What's the point of going back the hearing? They can't do any more with the hearing aids. But look, I'd like to just try and recap what we've been talking about today, the main messages. So currently, cochlear implants are really life-changing and we should make a part of our daily practice with hearing aid clients who have severe to profound hearing loss to consider cochlear implants making a good connection with your local implant team, especially if you're not seeing very many cochlear implant patients, is really important. And patients will have more confidence if they perceive that the hearing aid and the cochlear implant professionals are working together, and that will really smooth their journey. Often the patient's decision is made over a number of appointments, and as you've said today, it might even be over a number of assessments if you're referring before they've reached criteria levels. So it's an ongoing conversation with the hearing aid audiologist. And really, if the patient is not a cochlear implant candidate, so if you've referred and they've been found to be unsuitable, that there really needs to already be in place what the, the patient understands what to do, that they should return to you and you can look at alternative care options for them. Have I understood? Yeah, that sounds great. And I guess closing message is cochlear implants have potential to bring significant benefits to patients. So let's make sure we help make it easy and accessible for people to explore it. Thanks so much, Judith. Thank you for joining us today and especially for your work in making the guidelines for best practice a reality. If you would like to learn more or obtain a copy of the best practice guidelines, they can be downloaded from the Phonak Pro website, which is www.phonakpro.com and then look for severe to profound hearing loss. Audiologist, a Phonak podcast.